Thank you for listening to our new sermon series, Don't Quit. In the midst of a changing world where darkness grows more each day, Jesus is the reason we do not give up or give in. Jesus is our victory. Amen. I love the songs that were prayed about. And um, kiddos, you can be dismissed and selected for, uh, for the service today. And uh, I trust that they uh, minister to your heart. Second Thessalonians chapter number 3. 2 Thessalonians 3, I really want to thank you for allowing me to sit down uh, last week, and as odd as that was for me, uh, and maybe even for you, I appreciate that, and we're going to give it a go, stand in here today, thank you for your prayers. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're continuing our series uh, entitled Don't Quit, and uh, Jesus being our victory, and uh, I'm thankful that uh, even when uh, we are so tempted to quit. Uh, you and I, you know, I do, do not have to. One of the songs that I liked that we sang was, um, I think it was entitled uh, "Take My uh, Take My Life." I enjoyed that uh, the older version of that that many of us are familiar with, uh, with some of the, uh, the the new words of a new chorus and uh, just beauty, beautiful of how you can uh, mend those two generational hems. A lot of times we don't think of new music as hems, but if they are rich in doctrine and truth and uh, they're biblically accurate, that's exactly what they are. And uh, if the Lord tarries, uh, some 100 years from now, you and I will all be in the grave, well, at least we will want to be, right? <laughs> and uh, by that time, uh, these songs that we're singing that are new to us, they're going to be in new modern hem books. And uh, so thankful for um, how how the Lord blends those together generationally, and um, thankful for the worship this morning. Second Thessalonians chapter number three, and um, uh, I've enjoyed uh, going verse by verse through this book and just seeing what the Lord will do uh, in our in our lives and in the midst through it. And uh, what God did this week was God slowed me down. I was getting ready to kind of move on uh, to a next text of, uh, of the chapter. And um, on Monday, uh, we, we had a couple meetings here at the church, and so I was in the office studying, and uh, I just sensed the Lord saying, hey, why don't you, why don't you just pump the brakes a little bit and uh, spend some more time uh, in, in verse 5. We're going to look at verse 5, mainly really kind of only the beginning of it, but verse 5, and the Lord... Direct your hearts into the love of God and to the, in, into the patient waiting for Christ. As we learned last week, this is kind of the uh, kind of a tail end here of a prayer that Paul was um, making on behalf of the, uh, the, the the believers there. He started out with the chapter, pray for us. He was saying, hey, pray for uh, pray for myself and uh, this pastoral team as well as missionaries and things like that. And that was the plea from last week. Uh, but then he kind of ends it. Uh, with them. And so this morning, simple title, let's learn about the love of God and the patience of Christ. The love of God and the patience of Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time, please. Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for your word. And God, I thank you for your timetable. And uh, Lord, how uh, sometimes you will just have one verse just echo in our spirit, in our heart, hour after hour after hour. And Lord, I just pray that uh, God, uh, Lord, that our uh, that our hearts would be open 
to, Lord, what you have for us. Uh, I believe this morning's message is a uh, timely one for each of us. And uh, God will give you the glory for everything that is said and done and any result that might come from uh, this time of looking into your word. We submit to your sovereignty this morning. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I don't know about you, but there's times when I absolutely need love. There's times when I, when I need patience. And especially in times of great difficulty, in seasons of trials, and when you are tired of the battle, which is what we've been going through this entire book. The whole letter was written to Christians who were experiencing the draining effects of just um, the, the, the difficulties of their life. And you might say, you know what, hey, that's me, man. I've got some, I've got some serious difficulties in my life. It's not, just been, it's not just been a difficult week. It's not just been a difficult month. It's been a difficult year. Well, then this message would absolutely be for you this morning as uh, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was saying, hey, 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 churches at Thessalonica, church at Thessalonica, the believers there, you're going through some hardships, you're going through some struggles. This has been a prolonged tribulation. You go back to uh, um, 1 Thessalonians and you can see that some of the things that Paul was praying for for them, that, they'd, that they would grow in love, that they would grow in faith. And now, towards the beginning of this book of 2 Thessalonians, he's praising God for their growth, praising God for uh, how they have been strengthened in the Lord. And uh, so I don't know what it is you're going through. Uh, maybe you have difficulties at home. Maybe you have tensions at work. Maybe you're experiencing endless visits to the doctor or the weariness of ongoing pain. Maybe you have difficulties in your marriage. Maybe you have a wayward son or a wayward daughter. Uh, maybe you uh, have find yourself in a plight where you say this morning, I need more love. I need to be able to love. I need to be able to have more patience. And God can give you that love. God can give you that patience. I want you to notice something about the verse uh, there in your, uh, in your Bibles there. I want you to notice that Paul is not asking Christians to do something for God. He's asking God to do something for them. Something for what they need. He's saying to these Christians who were being persecuted, who were struggling, who were wanting to quit, who are wanting to wave the white flag. He says, I see what you're up against. I know, what, I, I know what's going on in the, in the city. I know what's going on in your, in your homes. And I'm asking God to do something special for you. If you remember last week, we talked about how Paul was coming to the church and he was saying, hey, pray for us. And I was saying, pray for me. Pray for Mike. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for the leadership of the church. Pray. Why? So that the gospel would run that it would have its free course. And now he's praying for them and he's saying, I know what you're going through and I'm praying that God would do something special for you. I'm praying that God would direct your hearts into the love of God. The whole point is that our Heavenly Father is able to give His children the love and the patience that we so desperately need. If these Christians were just exuberating great love, if they had this great patience that was going on, if they were patiently waiting for Christ, then he wouldn't have been praying this. 
So they were struggling with their love. They were struggling with their patience. And hence, the Apostle Paul is saying, God, would you, would you direct the church, would you direct their hearts into the love of God? This is a wonderful prayer. And I'll be honest with you, this is a prayer that you ought to pray in just a matter of moments when we have our time of reflection. You and I ought to pray to the Lord something like this, fill my dried heart with your love and fill this frantic life with the peace and the patience of Christ. I challenge you in the next 20 minutes or so to pray something similar to that to God. Here, there's, there's just a couple simple observations from this verse. Let's see the verse again one more time. It'll be, it'll be up on the screen now. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, and into the patient waiting for Christ. Observation number one, I need love. And I need to be patient. Patiently waiting on Christ. You understand that these, uh, these believers knew, they understood that they were in the last days. Paul had, been, Paul had been preaching the last days. And they were just waiting for the return of Christ. They had, uh, they had known that, that Jesus Christ had died and He was buried and He rose again and He said that He would come again. He said that He would prepare a place for them. And if I go, I will come again unto, to, unto you. And so they're longing for that. And they've got to be patient as they're being persecuted. And so here's what I can take away from that verse. That Ryan needs love and he needs patience while he's enduring the battle. Always enduring the difficulty. Takeaway number two would be that God can give me the love and the patience that I need. And takeaway number three, that God just <laughs> drove home to me starting Monday, was that Ryan, you can ask for this love and this patience as you're going through your difficulty, as you're going through your hardship of life. But now what I want to do is I want to get a little bit deeper. I want to spend a little bit of time with us thinking about the love of God and the patience of Christ. What do you know of that in your life? What do you know of the love of God in your life? What do you know of the patience of, uh, of Christ how much do you know of this? How would you describe, how would you describe your own experience of the love of God? I will not do this this morning, but if I were to take this uh, handheld mic here and I were to begin to go through the rows of chairs and you were to describe uh, your experience of the love of God, what would you say? Judy Dabbler, who is the leader at a ministry that's called Live at Peace. And uh, she's also a college professor. And in one particular class, she was teaching 120 students that were preparing for ministry. They were preparing. They, they, they had given their life. Remember we talked about this last week of kind of maybe a full vocation to, 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 to ministry. Okay, And so there was 120 of these college students uh, that were in her class. And they were preparing themselves for ministry. And here's the question that she asked them. Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God loves you? 
And they had a they had a blank piece of paper and they were to then write their answer to that. Out of 120 students, what would you say? How many do you think would have said yes? Anybody have an answer? 75%? Okay. Anybody else? Two. Said yes. Two. There were other answers like, I know I'm supposed to say yes. Or answers like this, I know the Bible says He loves me, but I don't feel it. And some of the other answers were, I'm not sure I can really say that I believe that God loves me. I mean, how can this be? So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God loves you? I mean, surely every Christian knows the love of God, right? You know, we kind of, we kind of, maybe some of us we grew up in church and we, uh, you know, we sung, sang songs like, "Jesus loves me, this I know." Finish it for me. For the Bible tells me so. I just took Mike's job. Yeah. He's getting ready to go on vacation, so it's my job anyways. <laughs> Next couple weeks. Point being, didn't we learn that song? Man, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jonathan Edwards, he used a a simple analogy to kind of get to the heart of this. Here's what Jonathan Edwards said. There is a difference between having a rational judgment that honey is sweet and having a sense of its sweetness. So you and I, we can know that honey is sweet because someone tells you. But you don't know really how what its sweetness until you've tasted it. So you can know that God that, that God loves you because a Sunday school teacher taught you maybe that song when you were little, but you do not really know that God loves you until you've tasted it. What did the psalmist say? The psalmist said in Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. But taste and see. Many Christians, notice what I said, many Christians live in a great distance from this felt experience of the love of God. So many Christians in the West, I'm kind of the Western culture here, you know what? We are shallow in this satisfaction. We don't always fully know. We haven't really been satisfied with this taste of who God is and His love for us. We're really good at, hear me, we're really good at affirming a doctrine. And we ought to. We ought to affirm the doctrines of Scripture 100%. The deity of Christ and you know, marriage. All, we ought to affirm the doctrines of the Word of God 100%. But oftentimes we lack in the, in the kind of the, the, the spiritual life of what those doctrines are supposed to perform. Across the country, there are millions of people who have a faith, who've been brought up to believe that Jesus died and that He rose and that He and, and then they've gone to church, but they're not experiencing God's love. Hear what I'm about to say: We need this love. We need this. We need this prayer. We need what Paul was praying for this church there at Thessalonica. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love this morning. 
That is the prayer for these Christians. May I say Paul is writing to the church. He's writing to the beloved. He's writing to the brethren. You see that over and over and over again. He's writing to those that God, before the foundation of the world, planned for a redemptive path for them. And he's saying, hey, you need to, you need to experience. I'm going to pray that God will direct you into the love of God. That you would experience it. I want us to use this prayer to open the door of our mind and our heart to something more than what we've already experienced. I'm not saying that if you know Christ is your Savior, that you need to get saved again. I'm not saying that this morning. But here are Christians going through great difficulties. And Paul says, hey, my prayer for you is that, is that God's going to direct you into the love of Christ. That He's going to show you again. That means that it's possible to endure persecution and not feel the love of Christ. Because that's what these Christians were doing. They were, they were enduring. I mean, it was just year after year, week after week. How do you ever feel like that sometimes? Man, it's just punch after punch after punch after punch. And then someone will come along and they'll say, hey, you know God loves you. And we're like, really? Man, if God loved me, this wouldn't happen. Man, if God loved me, this, you know, my car wouldn't have broke down. All this, man, if God loved me, I, I wouldn't have just woken up and couldn't walk last week. This is how we think. So Paul says, hey, I'm going to pray that, that you're directed back into the love of God. I'm going to pray that, that you're shown again the love of Christ, the patience. It's possible to go through college, to go through seminary, and not feel the love of Christ. It's possible to worship in seats of a church for 20 years and not feel the love of Christ. I don't want to be there, church. By the way, you all sang with passion this morning, right, Mike? Man, I've, woo, even, even a new song. Sometimes we're a little kind of scary with new songs. Like, mm, I'm going to see if I really like this first. Just trust. We look at every word, okay? It's important to us. But man, just great passion this morning singing. But listen, we can, we can, we, we, we can just do church. Man, we can come just weekend and week out, and we can just, we can just do it for years and not feel, not experience the love of Christ. Man, there's churches all over that are like that. We don't want this. So we want to pray that God would again usher us back to the Gospel, getting ahead of myself. People who are not Christians, they endure pain. They go through sorrows. Do you understand that? Listen, non-believers have cars break down. Non-believers have, car, have bodily injuries. Non-believers have miscarriages. Non-believers have, you know, all different kinds of things. And you know what they do to get by? They grit their teeth. Mm. You know what Paul's saying? I want something more for you. Because you're going to go through the same thing. I want something more for you. I want you to go through in, with, with love. I want you to go through with, with patience, with Another word, endurance. Not just another week. Not a, oh, I have to go to church. Take this the right way. You don't. You get to. Get to. So Paul is saying, hey, I want something better for you. I want your soul to be filled with the love of God. I want your soul to to be more than just focused on the temporary of the things that 
Have you ever thought you were never going to make it through before in your life? Guess what? You made it through because you're here. I know that was like just deep, wasn't it? But in the moment, you're like, oh, I'm never going to make it through. I've been there. I know you have too. And we're all looking at each other. I know that's scary. But we're here. Okay? Paul says, hey, church, I want something more for you. I want you to experience. I want you to experience the love of Christ. And Martin Lloyd joins his book, Joy Unspeakable. He he, he, he recounts a, a story of John Wesley. And uh, John Wesley was in the uh, stru- uh, of, of Aldersgate Street in London. And someone was reading just the preface of Luther's book on Romans. And here's what Wesley said. After a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did not trust in Christ alone for salvation. I did trust in Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given to me that He had taken away my sins and saved me from the law of sin and death. What is so amazing about this is this is a man that had been preaching in churches for years. But as someone else is reading just the preface of a book, he's saying God just gave him such assurance that he had trusted Christ. Where before, I mean, according to Wesley, maybe there was just this, I've been saved, I've trusted Christ, and I'm just going to do ministry. I'm just going to do life. And now as he's standing in the street hearing uh, just the preface of uh, Luther's book on Romans, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, just warms him. He experiences again the love and the salvation that he has. A new sense of sweetness. His life and ministry from this point on, uh, Jones says, literally was transformed as the man began to live in this love, live in this state of, as we sang uh, earlier about uh, kind of who God says we are, changes the way that we live. So this has been Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to live in this love. I want you to, I want you to live in this, in this endurance, this patience as you're waiting for Christ to return. And so how do we experience that? Let me just give you a couple practical ways and we'll be done. Number one, become dissatisfied with your present spiritual experience. I'm not telling you that you need to become dissatisfied with your salvation. Okay? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today's that day. Experience it. It's awesome. Nothing like it. But you need to be, for those of you that are believers, I'm encouraging you to be dissatisfied with your present spiritual experiences. Yeah. You need to cultivate a holy discontentment. The person who prays this prayer is looking for something more than what they already have. Lord, direct my heart into your love. You and I, we live in a been there, done that culture. And the great danger becomes when we have a been there, done that spirituality. We've grown up knowing that Jesus Christ, what did He do? He walked on this earth. He was born of a virgin, born as a baby, walked on this earth every single year, 33 and a half years, walking towards the cross, sinless, dies on the cross for our sins, and then He gets buried in the grave, and three days later, He rises again. (sighs) 
get dissatisfied when that that speech I just gave does nothing for you. Get dissatisfied. Man, that ought to that ought to fire me up. That God would love me so much that He would send His Son, that He would die on the cross for me. Do you really believe that God loves you? Do you really believe it? Sometimes in the midst of our experiences, we can be asked, do you know if God loves you? And guess what? Our shallowness gets revealed. A.W. Tozer in The Pursuit of God, great book, says this, we've been snared in the coils of false logic, which insists that if we have found Him, we need no more seek Him. In the midst of this great chill, there are some who will not be content with shallow logic. They want to taste, to touch with their hearts the wonder that is God. I want deliberately to encourage this mighty longing after God. Can I encourage you this morning? Pursue God. Pursue it. I'm praying that God would direct you into His love this week. You would see His love around every single corner of your days and your lives and your situations. Don't settle for a faith in which you feel the love of God comes and goes. No, no, no. Ask God to direct that faith. Let me give you secondly, okay? Secondly, ask God to direct your heart into His love. You ask Him. Okay? I, I've been asking Him all week for Him to do that for my life, for my family, and for you. Okay, But start with a kind of a holy dissatisfaction with maybe what you're experiencing now. Okay, And then ask Him in a moment here. We're going to have a moment of reflection here in a moment. Ask Him to direct your heart into His love. It's a prayer, so use it. Make it your own. The Scripture tells us that we should pray for this. Last week we saw that we should pray that the gospel would run. Pray for us. Pray for missionaries. Pray for those that have kind of given themselves vocationally to this. Pray that the gospel would have free course, that it would run, that it wouldn't just go incrementally, but that it would go fast. Well, this week we're learning to pray that God would direct our hearts into his love. Now some of us, here's what happens. We've carried a lot of baggage on this. Whenever you think about God, your first instinct, hear me, your first instinct, though you are a believer, though you are a Christian, is to picture him with a frown on his face. That's a lot of people's first inclination. That God's always mad. He's always judging. He's always bringing down hardships upon us. You feel that he's always angry, that he's always condemning you. Listen to me. If that is your perspective, and some of us, we have that backpack on us, we need this prayer desperately. you're a believer God's not mad at you there's now therefore no more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus can I say this bluntly you're either in Christ or you're not and if you are in him there's no more condemnation God's not up in heaven he's not angry with you he is not mad with you he is pleased with you in his son Jesus Christ be directed to that love this morning be directed to that reality Listen to the wise counsel of Richard Sibbs in his book, Works of Sibbs. He says, present God to yourselves as he is presented in the gospel. The devil puts other colors upon God. He presents him as a tyrant, as a judge, and as a revenger. May I say the reason why Satan paints him that way? Because Satan hates God. And he hates you. 
And he wants you to not run to God. He wants you to run from God. We kind of get that inclination here in the Puritan John Owen's book, Communion with God. He says this, So long as the Father is seen as harsh, judging and condemning, the soul is filled with fear and dread every, listen, every time it comes to Him. But when God is seen as a Father, filled with love the soul is filled with love to god in return he goes on to say all that we learn of god will only frighten us away from him if we do not see him as a loving and merciful to us but if your heart is taken up with the father's love it cannot help but choose to be overpowered conquered and embraced by him love it john owens had an understanding here that if we don't see God properly, then you and I, we're not going to run to Him. But if we see Him as a believer, okay, that's, that's the caveat, as a believer, if we see Him as a loving, caring, merciful, gracious God, that when things are going wrong in your life or when you mess up, guess what? You're going to run to Him. Now listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's not how God views you. Okay, God absolutely still loves you. The condemnation is over you and you need to trust Christ. And then, it's beautiful, the Father, and then we become like His children. Uh, John 1 tells us that relationship is restored and it's beautiful. So some of you think of God as cold, as aloof, and harsh and demanding. And listen to me, these thoughts are deeply rooted in your mind. And if this is you, then you need this prayer. I need this prayer. Father, direct my heart into our love. I want to close with this this morning. First of all, you ought to, you ought to start with a dissatisfaction of your, of your current status. You know, like in Facebook, you can say, how am I feeling today? Okay? Hey, let's get a status update. Feeling loved. Number two, you need to pray for this prayer. It's a prayer. It's a, it's a wonderful prayer. But let me give you thirdly, practically here, gaze into the love of God in Jesus Christ. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 27, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I'm sure you've noticed this. People that, people that don't like each other, they'll kind of just glance at someone and, Right? And then people that people that like each other, you know, they're they're genuine, you know, friends and you know, there's no ought between them, you don't you don't have a problem with them, you'll look at them. Have you ever noticed two people that are in love? Man, they gaze at each other. I remember college, it was just crazy, you know. Sarah and I, we kind of were like this too, but I'm gonna talk about the other couples, man, where they sit at like a table that's only uh, probably like uh, probably like these two lovebirds up front here, you know, they just gaze at each other. They just, oh, they just want to look through and see the very soul. Having a little fun here. Sorry, Helen. Spider-Man. But, it, but you've noticed that, right? Of course you have. When someone's in love, man, they want to just, they want to gaze. They want to, the word for behold, the beauty of the Lord. I want to, man, Love. Can I show you how God gazes at us? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, 
who, was, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers. Listen, by the prophets. Don't go on, Nick. By the prophets. Don't go on. Go back. Thank you, sir. Don't go on. Go back. Oh, well. Thank you. Right there. Boom. Through the prophets. Hey, we're just having fun. Music's playing. Love's in the air. Genuinely do love you guys. Sorry to tease you. Back in the day, God used to reveal himself through prophets. Okay? God would give these people a word and they would speak on behalf of God. You knew if they were legitimate prophets because of it could be tested, all different kinds of things. Don't have time to go through that. But that's how God spoke in the Old Testament. But notice what it says in verse 2. Now you're ready, Nick. Thank you, sir. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Jesus and his redemptive work is God's final word to us. So let me ask you a question. When you think of Jesus and you think of his finished work, what does that tell you? God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you realize another like Sunday school type verse, right? But it's really what you need. That's his final, it's his final word to us. I mean, think about that. The, the, the gospel, which is, which is the good news that you and I can be, enter back into a proper relationship with God, a covenant relationship, which with God will never break that covenant. You can't sin your way out of this covenant. You can't mess up. You can't be going through a trial and not do what we're supposed to do and get out of this. That is the gospel. It is God's definite word to you. So my final statement for you this morning is that God has spoken with finality about His love and commitment to us through the cross, through the Son. And so this morning, I've prayed all week that God would allow me to be a messenger to direct you into the love of Christ. To direct you into the love of God. Would you experience that this morning? Would you in a moment say, hey God, would you, would you fill this dried heart? And then God, would you calm? Would you give me the endurance? Would you give me the patience in my hectic life to continue on for the glory of God? Would you pray those things? Every head bowed, every eye closed.